0: Let's slide back to even earlier than the great Earl of Roscommon and read from Various. We will start with Christopher Marlowe, who will at Cambridge translated Ovid's Elegies. Elegio one. We which were Ovid's five books now are three, for these before the rest preferreth he. If reading five thou plain'st of tediousness, Too tain way thy labor will be less. With muse prepared I meant to sing of arms, Choosing a subject fit for fierce alarms. Both verses were alike to love began to smile and took one foot away. Rash boy who gave thee power to change a line, we are the muse's prophets, none of thine. What if thy mother take Diana's bow? Shall Dion feign when love begins to glow? In woody groves is meet that Ceres reign, And quiver bearing Diane till the plain? Who'll set the fair-tressed sun in battle-ray, while Mars doth take the Aeonian harp to play? Great are thy kingdoms, over strong and large, ambitious imp, why seek'st thou further charge? Are all things thine, the muses tempe thine? Then scarce can Phoebus say, this harp is mine. When in this work's first verse I trod aloft, love slacked my muse and made my number soft. I have no mistress nor no favorite, being fittest matter for wanton wit. Thus I complained, but love unlocked his quiver, took out the shaft, ordained my heart to shiver, and bent his sinewy bow upon his knee, saying, Poet, here's a work beseeming thee. O oh, woe is me, he ne'er shoots but hits. I burn, love in my idle bosom sits. Let my first verse be six, my last five feet. Farewell, stern war, for blunter poets meet. Elegian muse, that warblest amorous lays. girt my shine, brow, with sea bank myrtle sprays. We'll skip number two and go on to three. Elegia three. I ask but right, let her that caught me late either love or cause that I may never hate. I ask too much, would she but let me love her? Love knows with such like prayers I daily move her. Accept him that will serve thee all his youth accept him that will love with spotless truth. If lofty titles cannot make me thine, that am descended but of knightly line, soon may you plow the little land I have. I gladly grant my parents given to save. Apollo, Bacchus, and the Muses May, and Cupid, who hath marked me for thy prey. My spotless life, which but to God gives place, naked simplicity and modest grace. I love but one, and her I love change never. If men have faith, I'll live with thee forever. The years that fatal destiny shall give, I'll live with thee and die ere thou shalt grieve. Be thou the happy subject of my books that I may write things worthy thy fair looks. By verses horned Eo got her name, and she to whom in shape of swan Jovi came, and she that on a feigned bull swam to land, gripping his false horns with her virgin hond. So likewise we will through the world be rung, and with my name shall thine be always sung. Elegy of four. Thy husband to a banquet goes with me. Pray God it may his latest supper be. Shall I sit gazing as a bashful guest while others touch the damsel I love best? Wilt lying under him his bosom clip? About thy neck shall he at pleasure skip. Moriele not, though the fair bride did incite the drunken centaurs to a sudden fight. I'm no half-horse, nor in woods I dwell, yet scarce my hands from thee contain I well. But how thou shouldst behave thyself, now know, nor let the windies away my warnings blow, before thy husband come, though I not see what may be done, yet there before him be. Lie with him gently when his limbs he spread upon the bed, but on my foot first tread. View me my becks and speaking countenance. Take and receive each secret amorous glance. Words without voice shall on my eyebrows sit. Lines thou shalt read and wine by my hand writ. When our lascivious toys come in thy mind, thy rosy cheeks be to thy thumb inclined. If aught of me thou speak'st in inward thought, let thy soft finger to thy ear be brought. When I do or say aught that please thee, turn round thy gold ring as it were to ease thee. Strike on the board like them that pray for evil. When thou doest wish thy husband at the devil, What wine he fills thee wisely will him drink. Ask thou the boy what thou enough dost think. When thou hast tasted, I will take the cup, and where thou drinkst on that part I will sup. If he gives thee what first himself did taste, even in his face is offered gobbets cast. Let not thy neck by his vile arms be pressed nor lean thy soft head on his boisterous breast. Thy bosom's roseate buds, let him not finger. Chiefly on thy lips, let not his lippies linger. If thou givest kisses, I shall all disclose, say they are mine, and hands on thee impose. Yet this I'll see, but if thy gown ought cover, suspicious fear in all my veins will hover. Mingle not thighs, nor to his leggy join thine, nor thy soft footy with his hard footy combine. I ha been wanton, therefore am perplexed, and with mis- and with mistrust of the like measure vexed. I and my wench, oft under clothes did lurk, When pleasure moved us to our sweetest work, do not thou so, but throw thy mantle hence. Least I should think thee guilty of offense. Entreat thy husband, drink, but do not kiss. And while he drinks, to add more, do not miss. If he lies down with wine and sleep oppressed, the thing in place shall counsel us the rest. When to go homewards, we rise all along. Have care to walk in middle of the throng. There will I find thee, or be found by thee. There touch whatever thou canst touch of me. A me, I warn what profits some few hours, but we must part when heaven with black night lowers. At night thy husband clips thee. I will weep, and to the door's sight of thyself keep. Then will he kiss thee, and not only kiss, but force thee give him my stolen honey bliss. Constrained against thy will, give it the peasant. Forbear sweet words, and be your sport unpleasant. To him I pray it no delight may bring, or if it do, to thee no joy then spring. But though this night thy fortune be to try it, to me tomorrow constantly deny it. Elegy of five. In summer's heat and midtime of the day to rest my limbs upon a bed I lay. One window shut, the other open stood, which gave such light as twinkles in a wood, like twilight glimpse at setting of the sun, or night being past and yet not day begun. Such light to shame fast maidens must be showny, where they may sport and seem to be unknowny. Then came Corina in a long loose gown, her white neck hid with tresses hanging down resembling fair Semiramis going to bed or Laius of a thousand wooers sped. I snatched her gown, being thin, the harm was small, yet strived she to be covered there withal, and striving thus as one that would be cast, betrayed herself and yelled it at the last. Stark naked as she stood before mine eye, not one when in her body could I spy. What arms and shoulders did I touch and see? How apt her breasts were to be pressed by me. How smooth a belly under her wasp saw I. How large a leggy and what a lusty thigh. To leave the rest all liked me passing well. I clinged her naked body, down she fell. Judge you the rest being tired, she bade me kiss. Jove, send me more such afternoons as this. It may seem strange, but we'll go to John Donne from Marlow. And just for the context, As you know, he was writing in 1633, whereas Marlowe was before, because he was Shakespeare's contemporary. This would be 1594 from Ovid's elegies. Now we're back to the 1600s and we are with John Donne. Love's deity. I long to talk with some old lover's ghost who died before the God of love was born. I cannot think that he who then loved most sunk so low as to love one which did scorn. But since this God produced a destiny and that vice-nature custom lets it be, I must love her that loves not me. Sure, they which made him God meant not so much nor he, In his young God had practiced it. But when an even flame two hearts did touch, his office was indulgently to fit, actives to passives. Correspondency only, his subject was, it cannot be love till I love her that loves me. But every modern God will now extend his vast prerogative as far as Jove, to rage, to lust, to write to, to commend, all is the purlieu of the God of love. Oh, were we wakened by this tyranny to ungod this child again? It could not be I should love her who loves not me. Rebel and atheist too, why murmur I, as though I felt the worst that love could do? Love make me leave loving, or might try a deeper plague to make her love me too which since she loves before I'm loath to see falsehood is worse than hate. And that must be if she whom I love should love me. Love's diet, to what a cumbersome unwieldliness and burdenous corpulence my love had grown, but that I did to make it less and keep it in proportion, give it a diet, made it feed upon, that which love worst endures discretion. Above one sigh a day I allowed him not, of which my fortune and my faults had part. And if sometimes by stealth he got a she sigh from my mistress heart, and thought to feast on that I let him see twas neither very sound nor meant to me. If he wrought from me a tear, I brined it so, with scorn or shame that him it nourished not. If he sucked hers, I let him know, twas not a tear which he had got. His drink was counterfeit as was his meat, for eyes which rowled towards all weep not but sweat. Whatever he would dictate, I writ that, but burnt my letters when she writ to me and that that favor made him fat. I said, if any title be conveyed by this, A, what doth it avail to be the fortieth name in an entail? Thus I reclaimed my buzzard love to fly at what and when and how, and where I choose. Now negligent of sport I lie, and now as other falconers use, I spring a mistress, swear, write, sigh, and weep, and the game killed or lost go talk and sleep. The Blossom. Little thinks thou, poor flower, whom I have watched six or seven days, and seen thy birth and seen what every hour gave to thy growth thee to this height to raise. And now dost laugh and triumph on this bow. Little thinks thou that it will freeze anon and that I shall tomorrow find thee fallen, or not at all. Little thinks thou, poor heart, that laborest yet to nestle thee, and thinks by hovering here to get a part in a forbidden, or forbidding tree, and hopes her stiffness by long siege to bow. Little thinkest thou, that thou tomorrow, ere that sun doth wake, must with this sun and me a journey take. But thou which loves to be subtle, to plague thyself, wilt say, alas, if you must go, what's that to me? Here lies my business and here I will stay. You go to friends whose love and means present various content, to your eyes, ears, and tongue in every part. If then your body go, would need you a heart. Well then stay here, but know when thou hast stayed and done thy most, a naked thinking heart that makes no show is to a woman but a kind of ghost. How shall she know my heart, or having none, know thee for one? Practice may make her know some other part, but take my word, she doth not know a heart. Meet me at London then, twenty days hence, and thou shalt see me fresher and more fat by being with men than if I had stayed still with her and thee. For God's sake, if you can, be you so too. I would give you there to another friend whom we shall find as glad to have my body as my mind. Wow. Negative Love. I never stoop so low as they which on an eye, cheek, lip can pray. Seldom to them which soar no higher. Than virtue or the mind to admire, for sense and understanding may know what gives fuel to their fire. My love, though silly, is more brave. For I may I miss, for may I miss whene'er I crave, if I know yet what I would have. If that be simply perfect dust, which can by no way be expressed but negatives, my love is so. To all which all love, I say no. If any who deciphers best, what we know not ourselves can know. Let him teach me that nothing. This, as yet my ease and comfort is, though I speed not, I cannot miss. And in honor of January, EO, EO, January, we visit Mr. Spencer, the greatest poet, perhaps. And we will read first, because he put out the shepherd's calendar. We don't have time to read the wonderful preface to it by E.K. or Mr. Harvey, but it is dedicated to Sir Philip Sidney. So I will just read the general argument quickly. A little, I hope, needeth me at large to discourse the first original of Echologues, having already touched the same. But for the word Echologues I know is unknown to most, and also mistaken of some of the most learned, I will say somewhat thereof, being not at all impertinent to my present purpose. They were first of the Greeks, the inventors of them, called Echologai, as it were, that is, goat herds, tails. For although in Virgil and others the speakers be more shepherds than goat herds, yet Theocritus, in whom, is more ground of authority than in Virgil, especially from that deriving, as from the first head and wellspring, the whole invention of his echologues, maketh goat herds, the persons and authors of his tales. This being who seeth not the grossness of such as by color of learning, would make us believe that they are more rightly termed ecologai, as they would say, extraordinary discourses of unnecessary matter. Which definition, be in substance and meaning, it agree with the nature of the thing, yet know it answereth with the Greek in interpretation of the word, for they be not termed ecologs, but ecologos. which sentence this author, very well observing upon good judgment, though indeed few goatherds have to do herein, nevertheless doubteth not to call them by the used and best known nom, name. Other curious discourses hereof I reserve to greater occasion. The Shepherd's Calendar, January. Ecologa prima argument In the first in this first ecologue Colin Clout, a shepherd's boy, complaineth him of his unfortunate love, being but newly, as seemeth, enamoured of a country lass called Rosalind, with which strong affection being very sore travelled, he compareth his careful case to the sad season of the year, to the frosty ground, to the frozen trees and to his own winter beaten flock. And lastly, finding himself robbed of all former pleasance and delights, he breaketh his pipe in pieces and casteth himself to the ground. January, Colin Clout, a shepherd's boy, when winter's wasteful spite was almost spent, all in a sunshiny day as did befall. Led forth his flock that had been long he pent. So faint they walks and feeble in the fold, that now on their feet could them uphold. All as the sheepy, which was the shepherd's look, for pale and wan he was, may seem he loved, or else some care he took. Well, could he tune his pipe and frame his style, though to a hill his fainting flock he led, and thus implained the while his sheepy there fed. Ye gods of love that pity lovers' pain, if any gods the pain of lovers' pity. Look from above where you in joys remain and bow your ears unto my doleful ditty. And pan, thou shepherds' God that once didst love, pity the pains that thou thyself didst prove. Thou barren ground, whom winter's wrath hath wasted, art made a mirror to behold my plight will thy fresh spring flowered, And after hasted thy summer prude With daffodil's delight. And now is come thy winter's stormy state, Thy mantle marred wherein thou maskedest late. Such rage as winter's reigneth in my heart, My life-blood friezing with unkindly cold, Such stormy stores do breed my baleful smart, as if my year were wast and walks in old, and yet a loss, but now my spring be gone, and yet a loss, it is already done. You naked trees, whose shady leaves are lost, wherein the birds were wont to build their bower, and now are clothed with moss and hoary frost, instead of blossoms wherewith your buds did flower. I see your tears that from your bows do rain, whose drops in dreary icicles remain. All so my lustful leaf is dry and sear. My timely buds with wailing all are wasted. The blossom which my branch of youth did bear with breathed sighs is blown away and blasted. And from mine eyes the drizzling tears descend as on your bowies the icicles depend. Thou feeble flock whose fleece is rough and rent, whose knees are weak through fast and evil fare, Mayst witness well by thy ill government, thy master's mind is overcome with care. Thou weak I wan, thou lean I quite forlorn, with mourning pine I, you with pining mourn. A thousand since I curse that careful hour, Wherein I longed the neighbor town to see, And eek ten thousand sights I bless the stower, wherein I saw so fair a sight as she. Yet all for naught such sight hath bred my bane. Ah, God, that love should breed both joy and pain. It is not Hobbinall, therefore I plain. Albeit my love he seek with daily suit, his clownish gifts and curtsies I disdain, his kids, his cracknels, and his early fruit. Ah, foolish Hobbinall, thy gifts been vain. Colin them gives to Rosalind again. I love Vilky Lass. Alas, why do I love, and am forlorn, Alas, why am I lorn? She deigns not my goodwill, but doth reprove, And of my rural music hold the scorn. Shepherds devise she hateth as a snake, And laughs the songs that call and clout doth make. Wherefore my pipey, pawn doth please, it for thou pleasest not where most I would. And thou unlucky muse that wants to ease my musing mind, yet con'st not when thou should. Both pipe and muse shall soar the while abye. So broke his oden pipe and down died lie. But that the welking Phoebus gan avail. His weary wane and now the frosty night her mantle black through heaven gan overhale, Which seen the pensive boy half in despite Arose and homeward drove his sawned sheep, whose hanging heads did seem his careful case to weep. Colin's emblem and Cora speme. That must be Italian. Look it up, thank you.